final five. It's week one of the final five. Um, and it's really kind of interesting because, you know, I, I've never looked at the timeline of Christ. You know, I, I grew up Catholic, so I knew the 12 stations of Christ. I knew, you know, Holy Week and all that stuff. But I never actually just sat down and was like, what did he say on his way out? And for some crazy reason, I did that. And I was absolutely fascinated. He told five parables right at the end before he um, was crucified, before he was buried and resurrected. It's like his last five stories. These are word pictures. Parables, if you don't know, this is a fancy word, like Aesop's fables. They're, they're parables. They, they contain inside of a story or inside of a little picture just a really, really great lesson. And they're usually very, very simple. Um, sometimes they have really, really cool layers. But these are great because the last five I found out all focus on the same topic. And I was like, well, this must have been important. His last five word pictures, his last five stories, his last five lessons to the crowds were all on the exact same topic. And I was like, dude, heads up, I might want to listen, right? Right? I'm getting ready to go to a conference this week, and I'm going to the same conference I went to this time last year, and I was able to get a super speeder ticket last year. Um, if you don't know what a super... <laughs> If you don't know what a super speeder ticket is, it's when you leave here at 12 o'clock right after you teach and you drive really fast because you can't wait to get there because you want to get set up and teach people about discipleship. But along the way, there were many signs. One of them said um, that I was entering this little town, Turnipsville or something. Uh, and you know, just so you know, whenever you see one of those signs on 75, what it means is somehow they've negotiated with the highway patrol to give tickets there instead of the highway patrol, which means they're raising revenue. So I missed the Turnipsville sign, and then I missed the one that was like, slow down when it's raining, and then I missed the one that was like, and I was so fresh at these people, if you do this, please don't be offended, but they turn their flashers on in heavy rain. All that does is make it harder to see through your windshield. You know, so I was just like, oh, I gotta get around them, and, and I probably should have eaten some food or something. So I missed like all of these final little signs, right? and zoomed past them, wasn't really paying attention to the speed. I just wanted to get around them, and I'd slow back down. Of course, I topped the hill, and turnip seed police officer was right on the other side. Boop. So I now use a driving app so I can save 30% on my insurance. <laughs> I save $100 a month, Amber and I do, by not touching our phones while we drive, and that $100 a month pays for the $100 a month I'm going to pay for the next two years because I got a super speeder ticket. So... His last five signs to us are on the same topic. You need to be here all five weeks. You need to listen all five weeks. It's five different parables he taught, five different perspectives of the same truth, and five ways that we can make sure we don't miss those warning signs. And the, and the topic is the kingdom of God. And if you're like me and you just wandered into church, like I remember when I wandered to church, they had all these things, you know, leave it at the feet of Jesus and all these other Christianese. The kingdom of God's not really Christianese, it's just a thing, and we'll, we're going to explore it a little bit today and over the next five weeks. But all of his messages were on this topic, and they were all to people just like you and me. Everybody knows what social media is? I know that a few of my friends don't do social media. Anybody not do social media? Okay, a few of you? Okay. Do you know what a follower is, though? Did you ever do social media? Okay. So social media, every social media has a little button that says follow, Right? So everybody but those five people, you are either following somebody or you're unfollowing somebody or you're a potential follower. Do you get that stuff? 
constantly Facebook is just sending me all this stuff like so-and-so could be your friend. And I'm like, I don't want them to be. Anyway, you get it? Okay. So everyone who's a follower, unfollower, right? Or, or could be, would be follower, which means all along the way that this whole entire last final five are for you. Because all final five were addressed to a crowd that had followers in it, unfollowers in it, and would-be, could-be followers in it. All right, so let's just dive in. We're just going to read the parable, the word picture, the story. This is what Jesus taught to these religious leaders who were being cranky with him. Ready? What do you think about this? A man with two sons told the other boy. Okay, so that's his intro. What do you think about this, you religious people? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. And the son answered, no, I won't go. How many of you have a child like that? (laughs) But later, he changed his mind. He went out in the field and he worked anyway. Then the father told the other son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will go. But he didn't go. How many of you had that kid? Okay. And, And then Jesus asked this question. He said, which of the two boys obeyed his father. And the religious leaders had to answer what we know the answer is. They replied, the first. And then Jesus explained the meaning. He said this. He said, I'll tell you the truth. Corrupt tax collectors. Notice he added that. If you're a tax collector, as long as you're not corrupt, you're good. Have you ever met a tax collector? I did at a recent workshop I did. And he's like, yeah, I'm a tax sheriff or whatever. And I go arrest people. And I was like, I didn't want to be around him the whole time. I was scared to death. It, like the scripture came alive. Like I've never met somebody who went out and locked people up for taxes. And I was like, uh, well, he's probably checking my, <laughs> you get it? Okay, so he said this, I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes, I won't ask that question, uh, will get into the kingdom of God before what? You do. So he's looking at the super spiritual people. They're gonna get in before you do. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him. Well, the tax collectors and prostitutes did. And they did what? And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. Right? Okay. So at the surface of all this, what's the simple, obvious truth? Actions speak louder than words. You can say yes all day long, but if you don't go, you're not the obedient son, right? And you could be cranky or growing or whatever your problem is, playing on your Game Boy, whatever it is, and say no, but if you go, then you become the what? Obedient son. Actions always speak louder than words. They just always do. So what we're gonna do each week when we look at one of these parables, these word pictures or stories, is we're gonna do... Three things. We're going to look at who he's talking to, what he said, like what was the meaning, and then we're going to go like this, how does it apply to me? Okay? So what I tell you is this. All these parables are going to apply to you because they were life truths, big, giant, 30,000-foot, looking down, truths of God. I call them like spiritual physics, like gravity in spiritual world. You're not going to get away from this stuff. It is true for me, for you, for whatever, So whether we're a follower, unfollower, or a could-be follower, all this stuff's gonna apply one way or another. In fact, I will still argue, even though a lot of people don't like me saying this, that even if you didn't believe in Christ, but you applied these principles, your life will get better. You you will not get into heaven, 
So we'll work on that. But your life will get better because God's truths are God's truths. It rains on the just and the unjust. They just work. So they're going to apply to all of us. So let's start with this. So who is Jesus talking to? So in the crowd are his followers, like the disciples. Like they followed him all around Israel for three years. He taught. They were all in, right? They said, I'll follow, and they, you get it? So what did they, why were they there? Were they were just there? Was this for them? No. So it was kind of like this. He was just indirectly teaching them. It's like standing around a really great teacher, you know, and, and he's looking at Bobby Joe, and he's like, raw, 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 trying to teach some truth. And it doesn't really apply to you, but you just, you, you still get the benefit of that truth. For those who are in discipleship, this is the power of groups. Somebody's doing individual discipleship, talking about what God showed them, but everybody in the room is getting crumbs from the table. So that's kind of what I mean when I say indirectly. The disciples are there, but they're already following, right? This parable is clearly not pointed at them, but they're still learning, right? Okay. It is obviously directly pointed at who? The religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Jews, right? It's absolutely pointed at these people. These were the people who should have known better, the people who said, yeah, we're God's people. In fact, they marched all around Israel. The Jewish leaders are like, where are the Jews? Where are the Jews? If you've read the Bible, they wouldn't have anything to do with the Gentiles. How many people are Jewish in the room today? Right? Everybody else, raise your hand. That was a command. Raise your hand. Okay. You are Gentiles. How many of you have a Jewish mom or dad and a Gentile mom or dad? So you're either Jewish or a Gentile, right? And so how many of you have that Jewish Gentile combo in your parents. Anybody? Okay, good. So there's no Samaritans in the room. They were even worse in the Jewish people's eyes than the Gentiles. So the Gentiles, even though they were God's messengers to the world, somewhere along the way had kind of lost sight. And they would look at the Gentiles and go, you're not good enough. In fact, if they came upon a Samaritan, they would go across the street and walk the other way. It was horrific. These are the people who'd known God's love and his forgiveness and his ways, right? And so Jesus is clearly talking to this crowd, right, who had said what? Yes, but it's obvious they weren't following. They had unfollowed him. At some point, he had said in a little tweet, you know, don't sleep with your mom's dog or whatever, and they had unfollowed. They didn't like what they heard. Or he said tithe, and they unfollowed. Or he said love your neighbor, and they were like, my neighbor's mean, and they unfollowed. They clicked the button. They just unfollowed him. They're hypocrites, all right? So who's, who's the third people he's talking to? In the crowd, you have the Jewish leaders he's talking to, and anybody else who's Jewish who's like them. Then you have these people who are what? The followers, they're already in. But you also have this other part of the crowd because everyone, these massive crowds, he's telling these stories to, and they're what I call the could-be, would-be followers. The could-be, would-be followers, maybe they didn't know God. Maybe they never heard about God, right? Because they're Gentiles, they're Samaritans, and nobody's ever told them because nobody ever talked to them. They were never invited to the party. So maybe they didn't know. Or maybe it was somebody <coughs> who had heard. Do you ever do this? Like, like, you know, like before you got saved or maybe you're not saved yet and you, and you just know that what you're getting ready to do on Friday night ain't good. Like it's not good for you and it's not good for the world and it's just not good. You know it's wrong, right? We just know, we, we know. But you ignore that, right? So you, do, you just haven't engaged with God yet. You, ha you haven't been convinced by him yet. You're a could-be, would-be follower and the crowd is full of could-be, would-be followers. They hadn't said no, they hadn't said yes. They're just kind of ignorant. 
or else they just never even heard. So that's who he was talking to. But what was his message? Okay, so his message to his followers was what? Salvation is not only for the Jewish people. Got that? Okay, if you don't know anything about the Bible or history or anything, God established a nation. It was called Israel. He did it. He took some people. He made a nation, Israel. They were to be the witnesses to the whole world. They weren't just like the special people. They were, get, they were just like us. You know when he tells us, go share the good news? He said that to them in the Old Testament. He made a nation. They were supposed to reflect him honor him, be the light to the world. That's who they were. And those people began to be called Jewish people or Jews, Hebrews. Got it? Okay, so that's his nation. And at this point in history, they had totally taken captive the good news about God, that he loved people, that he could fix people, that he wanted them to go to heaven, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You with me? Okay, so they'd taken it hostage. They had unfollowed. Well, if you're just standing by and you're already following Christ and all his disciples were Jews, they what? All of a sudden they're hearing the message. This isn't just for us because we're part of that nation because we are the first chosen. Jesus just expanded the entire ministry to whom? Everyone. Now they probably have already heard this message and they should have known it, but this is one of those, that's one of the things they're learning is they're just sitting there. There's other people who are following, some Gentiles, who'd met Jesus along the way while he was on earth, for, and they got healed, or they heard his message, and they'd chosen to follow. They're standing there too. Can you imagine hearing this, that you're now one of the first ugly people, right, the Gentiles, the Samaritans, to be in the gang? And you can imagine their self-esteem goes up as Jesus says what? They're my kids too. All right, so what did the unfollowers learn? Like, what's the message to the unfollowers? Well, I mean, directly he said this, what? John the Baptist came, and you ignored him while other people listened. Okay, so if you don't know who John the Baptist is, let me just, real quick, John the Baptist, what a name, was the forerunner to Christ. They're born at the same time, and what God told John the Baptist was to do was to go ahead and to tell everybody, Jesus has been born. Jesus is here. So he spent his entire life traveling from town to town, speaking primarily to Jews and anybody who was in the crowd. And what he said to them, the, the Savior that God promised is coming. He's here. The time is now. Repent. In other words, get your crap together. <laughs> We've been unfollowing too long. Fix it, because you're getting ready to meet the Savior of the world. And it was incredible. A bunch of people would come. They would be baptized. It was like a symbol of them saying, no, nah, I'm getting rid of the old. I'm doing the new. And they would commit themselves to getting ready to receive the Messiah. They wanted to get their lives cleaned up. That was John's whole message. When we went to the religious leaders, they said, this isn't the way it's going to happen. Who are you? You're wrong. And they ignored him. And so what, what Jesus is saying is this. Like, we even sent you, God and I even sent you somebody saying, I am here, coming. And you didn't even listen. You would even consider that maybe you had some wrong in you. You would fix it before the Lord God Almighty showed up in flesh on earth. Can you imagine that if God walked in the door right now? If, God, if Jesus walked, he walked in, he's glowing. There's like a band of angels, and I picture them like 20 feet tall at least. And they're just like, boom, boom. 
boom, boom, in the back door. How many of you would hit the deck? See, I, I, I would. I think I'm doing a pretty good job at this following thing, but I'd be in the presence of God. And what, what these leaders didn't get is they'd been told for thousands of years how he was come. He came in the exact same way, and they were like, yeah, no, we're in charge. They made the same mistake Adam and Eve did. They didn't want to give up control. And so what happens? They ignore John the Baptist. And here's Jesus' message to them. I hate hypocrisy. You said yes to me, but you're living no. You said yes to me, but you're living no. You said, I'll go work in the field. I'll do what you want. I want to be your child. But you never got out of bed. You never did. And what he's saying is this. And these people who didn't know me, they're like, eh, no. But when they figured it out, they heard me. They did what? They went out and did what I wanted them to do. They went out and started saving the world. They changed their ways. They repented. Does that make sense? If you're new to Christianity, repent. Is, it, it, it probably has a bad connotation to you because you watch some movie or been to a church and are like, repent of your sins. <laughs> repent is, we turn it into this negative word. All it means is to turn, right? It's like if your boss calls you and he gives you a bad review and you're like, I gotta fix things. So you change your ways, you just repented. Does that make sense? You just, you just adjusted your life to what it needs to be. So when God convinces you he's God, when he convicts you, when he's like, I'm God, and somehow you just know it, or you hear it from the Bible or whatever, and you become convinced he's God, when you turn to him, you're turning away from everything the old, and you're choosing a new life. You're repenting. It's not a bad thing. When you're a follower, and you're trucking along the way, and then you like punch somebody in the face, and God's like, you shouldn't have done that. He convinces you it's wrong, and you go, and you apologize, you make it right, and you say, I'm never going to punch somebody in the face again. You just what? Repent it. It's not a bad thing. It's a Good thing, it actually leads to life, and according to these verses, it what? Leads to the kingdom of God. Is that, you get with me? So his message to them was, hey, people, you're hypocrites. You're the, what? Second son. Now, what about the would-be, could-be followers? In this parable, the would-be, could-be followers are the first son, right? They're kind of like, well... I'm not sure. They don't know God yet. If you're a Christian, you've been there at some point, right? And they haven't chosen to fall, they chose not to fall, so he might convict them of something, they might go, nope. But then they come to their senses, right? And they become the first son people. In other words, there could be followers, and when they hear how they could have a better life, when they hear about this, when they hear about that, they actually do what? They go out in the field and they work. They respond to whatever God is telling them to do. You with me? Okay. So, his message to the followers was what? Everybody gets saved. This is open for everybody. His message to the unfollowers, what? Is I hate hypocrisy. And his message, what? To the new people, the would-be followers, is this. Salvation is for the least of these. Salvation is for the least of these. Salvation is based on belief not position, not what you're born into, not the family you're born into, not the class, the race, the country, the nation that you're born into. Salvation is not based on that. It is based on faith, and there's hope for you. Everybody, now I know we keep saying tax, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes, and we're not picking on anybody. It's just Jesus' stories. We tell it the way Jesus was, but that was pretty much the bottom of the barrel in his time. 
People really looked down on prostitutes. It was a dirty, nasty trade. Yicky. And they really looked down on corrupt tax collectors. We probably would do the same thing today. So he's just saying, like, the worst of the worst, if they believe, they will enter the kingdom of God. And, of course, the, the tension in the parable is they're going to enter the kingdom of God before you. So how does this apply to you and me? Right? This is our third take. Because everybody's hearing it today. We're all hearing the same truth from God's word. We're hearing the exact same truth, right? And you are either a follower, an unfollower, or could be follower. So if you're a follower, somebody who you, your actions reflect what you believe. If you're an unfollower, your actions do not reflect what you say you believe. And then you could be a could be, would be follower. You just don't know. You're not yet. So if we be followers... If we be followers, that's who we are. The message to us is that salvation is for everyone. Salvation is for everyone. That our actions should align with what we say we believe. That when we're wrong, we should adjust because we are, say it with me, followers. That's what followers do. They step off the path, they get back on the path. So that's the message. But there's also a hidden warning here for all of us who would call ourselves followers in this story. Every Jewish person was a follower at some point. The nation was established by God, and they committed to follow. And throughout history, they would wander away, come back, and they would commit to follow. So let me ask you this question. How far are you, follower, away from becoming an unfollower? One decision. You are one decision away. You are one ignoring God away. You are one moment away. And you're like, well, that's not a message of hope. I didn't write the parable. Some of the things, you know, you want to, it's coming up on Easter. The last five things should be like, oh, flowering and cool. But where Jesus spent his time was nailing this thing down, making it like clear and simple. You're either follower or you're not a follower. And we need to be careful because I don't want to be an unfollower. I want to be what? Uh, which son do I want to be? The son that's not in a story. I want to be the son who says yes and does yes. Right? That's the warning to us. I said I believe. Every time I don't live out one of God's truths, rob my neighbor, lie about somebody, do something that's wrong, don't do something that's right, act like a turd, every single time I do that stuff, I dishonor God, I deny God, and I look like an unfollower, and I have about how long till I change my direction? That. We could so easily become a church of people. Have you ever been to this church? That I'll go blah, 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 sing songs, and, ah, and go out and live like hell all week long, doing bad business deals, cheating on people, cheating people, lying about people, gossiping, living like hypocrites. That's why we have our guarantees around here. If you knew, you may not know them. We have a no drama guarantee. Somebody starts executing drama around here, we just love them until they're fixed. We love them directly. Like, we don't do drama. Don't start this garbage. I don't have time for it. Don't you hate drama? All right. We have a no gossip guarantee. If you don't believe me, just go gossip. We're not mean. We're not going to throw you out. We're just going to fix you. Because <laughs> they're not going to happen. Nobody's going to talk about you on our watch. We're a community. All for one, one for all. If I need to say something to Greg, I'll say something to Greg. You hear me say something to Andrew about Greg? Put me down. Because it divides the body of Christ. Are you, are you following me here? Okay. 
So this is the point. We need to be warned it is that easy to become an unfollower. Okay, so for the unfollowers, right, I mean, it's just simple. God doesn't like hypocrisy. You have screwed up. And guess what? You may lose the kingdom of God. And you're like, whoa. When I, got, when I became a Christian, they told me I could never lose my salvation. I agree with them. But if your actions never line up with what you say you believe, you may not be a Christian. Because God's promise is that he will fix you. He will change you. You cannot encounter God and not change. You with me? So be very clear. If your actions do not line up with what you told him, I'm a Christian, I believe, you may not be. And that is a scary place to be. And when you get to parable three, you need to bring a seatbelt. Because like he cuts it quick to the chase. But it's for my good. It's for your good. All these stories are so challenging, but they're so incredible. God hates hypocrisy. You could not enter the kingdom or you could be the least in the kingdom while the prostitutes and the crazy tax collectors get a throne. It's all based on whether you believe and whether you live your beliefs. And then, you know, then you have like the kind of could be followers, right? And the message to them is there's hope. So, so I have a few questions for you, just as we wrap up. If you call yourself a follower, I want to ask you, are you actually following? If you call yourself a follower, are you following? Are you doing all the stuff he said to do in the Bible? You're like, well, that's oppressive. No, it's not. It's meant to give us life. It prevents us from doing stupid things like sleeping with our neighbor's wives and killing people and stealing. And he gives us hope because it tells us things like love each other and forgive each other. It's meant to guard us. So the question is this. You said yes to him. You said, you're saying you're a follower. You said yes. Are you living yes? Does that make sense? I've got to drive that down deep in my heart to say like, and even when I fall, then I repent. Like, do you get up when you fall and follow God? When you say this, I'm gonna do this because God told me to do it. Do you finish it? Are you doing the things God told you to do? Are you finishing the task? Are you, he says, go in the field and do this. Are you doing it? Collectively as a church, are we doing it? If you're an unfollower, I want to tell you, step one for the unfollowers, you need to return back to God. And, and you're not, this is going to sound hard, but listen to me. God is huge. God is all present, all powerful, and all knowing. And he loves you. He will always usher you into the kingdom. Clearly, the prostitutes, crazy tax collectors. But there's a verse in the Bible people don't talk about much. And it says this, when you become defiant to God, in, in your terms, shoot him the bird and say, no. It says that he will destroy that person for their own good. So there's just a point where you need, we need to return back to the fear of God that even though he's a loving God, he hates sin. He's a loving God, he hates hypocrisy. He's a loving God, he hates people who screw the deal up for other people. You make sense? And then you need to honor him. You need to step back and believe in him because if you've walked away from him, if you've clicked unfollow, you're in a dangerous place for you. And not only are you in a dangerous place for you, you are in a dangerous place for everybody around you. And you're missing out on what? The kingdom of God. And that's my last caveat. Over the, over the next four weeks, we're gonna build more on what the kingdom of God is. But let me tell you what the kingdom of God is right now. It's salvation. He came and he offered us freedom. He said, you can know me 
You can find freedom. You can discover your purpose. You can live for me. And he ushered in the kingdom of God. What is that? It means that Jesus said, I'm in charge now. I'm not going to judge you based on what you do. I'm going to judge you based on what you believe. I'm going to stand behind you. I'm going to forgive you. Let your shame go. There is no more shame. The rule and reign, the kingdom of God, means he's in charge. Jesus is the captain. And we're all covered. Because who can stand against him? That's the kingdom of God in this very moment for you today. He is inviting you to become part of his people whom he will protect, whom he will provide for, whom he is going to bless, whom he is going to guide, who he is going to lead. So if you've clicked unfollow, you need to go back and find the follow button because you don't want to miss out. And I guess that's a message for the could-be followers too. For the good could-be followers, this is it. I've smushed two verses together, so forgive me, but Jesus said these two things that are so powerful. If you're a could-be follower, if you've never really known God or you kind of put it off or whatever, here's this. This is his words to you. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So when you hear me talking about the kingdom, you're like, is that real? It's okay. You're not a follower yet. You're not born again. You haven't given, you haven't said, hey, I believe. But the moment you do, you're gonna see freedom and forgiveness and love like you have never seen. You're gonna, you'll look at the Bible and it's not gonna be black and white words on a page that don't make sense. Stuff's gonna jump off the page like, I parted the Red Sea for them. I'll part the Red Sea of your problems for you. I delivered them, I'll deliver you. I'm on their side, I'm on your side. You are my child, I have adopted you. I forgive you. I reform you, I redeem you. I transform you. That's the kingdom of God. You can't see that until you're born again. You can't even see it. You can't get into it. And then he said this, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, repent and believe. Do you get it? Today could be your day. Today could be your day if you're an unfollower. We've told you what to do. But if you're a could-be follower, today could be the day that you go from death to life from one day dying to eternal life. It could, it could be the day that you get to see the kingdom of God. It could be the day that you begin your spiritual journey by knowing him. And I promise you, the next thing that's gonna happen, you're gonna find freedom. He is gonna destroy your shame. He is gonna destroy your sin. He will wipe it. He will help you work through this. You will never be the same person a year from now if today is your day and you choose to say, I believe. And those are his words to us. But if you're a could-be follower, you probably have no idea how to tell God that you believe. So I'm gonna show you. You ready? I believe. That's it. You don't have to walk an aisle. You don't have to bring him money. You don't have to buy him off. You don't have to apologize for all your stuff because belief starts with I believe. I promise you, if you believe in God, the next thing you're gonna say is, hey, I've kind of done this on my own. And I'd like to do this with you. It hasn't worked, me doing it on my own. I need help. I want to find forgiveness. I want to find freedom. If that's you today and you're a could-be follower and you want to get into this kingdom that's so awesome, I, I want to ask you, just, just pray in your own way. Maybe it's just I believe. So just everybody bow your heads. I never ask you to do this. Everybody bow your heads. Close your eyes. If you're a could-be, would-be follower and you're like, dude, I want in. I need a change. 
I believe, I want to be forgiven. I want to know God. I want to find freedom. This would be something. You could just pray this prayer. God, I'm not even sure I understand, but I am convinced. Like, I need help. And I've heard the scriptures, I've heard the words, and I believe. I've done a lot of things that you probably wouldn't be pleased with. Worse than that, I just don't have good wisdom. Like, I'm just trying to get through this life. I want help. Could you forgive me? Could you help me? I believe. I may be the worst. I may be like the prostitute or, or the tax collector, but I believe. Rescue me. I want to start my spiritual journey. Don't ask you to do one other thing. If you actually, if you prayed that or anything like that and told God that you believe today, would you just look up and catch my eye? Cool. Anybody else? It's never too late in the could be, would be category. Make sure this week you stand before him and figure out who you are in this parable. Amen. All right, ready? I want to take just a minute or two because the message isn't over. There's a surprise thing at the end because God has impressed upon me with all these parables, they're a reflection of what the kingdom of God is. And so the kingdom of God reflects what he's doing in and around us. He's here, he's in charge, right? So if he looks at Sylvia and he says, hey, Sylvia, I wanna invite you to do this with me here. In other words, he says, go to the field and work. It's my field, it's a field that's gonna produce a great harvest, go work, right? So if he does that, then, then we're being invited. And so earlier, well, I guess it was last year, towards the end of the year, we all got together, none of us had really talked, except the staff had been praying quietly and the elders. And we got together with the whole church. We said, hey, we should ask this question at the end of the year. Where do we see God working? Just tell us. And one after another, all the answers of where we saw God working, not like us doing something, but he was doing this cool stuff. He was bringing a new family or he did to this or he did to that. And you're like, that's God. Again and again, the stories lined up into three very specific areas. And it was totally cool because it was like everybody who was seeking God heard the same thing. And so we made a commitment at the end of the year. And what we said is, God, we're gonna, we want to accept this invitation. As a church, as a group, we're going to accept this invitation. And we're going to go work in these three areas, however you tell us and whenever you tell us. We already see you working. We're going to join you in that work. Okay. By the way, if you want to learn more about that process, Wednesday night, great. That's what they're talking about. The circles look like this. He told us to make sure we did our part in the community so everybody could hear the gospel. Doesn't matter where they go to church. We have some chairs extra so we've been asking God, hey, could you use these chairs? Could we help you use these chairs? So somebody could find what we have. Like we've been given freedom and transparency here. The culture here is just mind-boggling, straightforward, simple, and everything's biblically based, and it's changed my life. Has it changed anybody else's life? It's changed my life. And so we felt convinced that God was inviting us to make sure that we did our part to offer this to people outside the walls of this place because we haven't always done that. I mean, it's not about being a big church, because like I said, I don't know what we do if we ever beg, if we just figure it out. But the point is, is what happens when, what happens when you know, he comes back? 
What, ha- what happens when God comes back? The, if people haven't heard, like the gig's up. And I just, I can't bear that. Can anybody else? Like, we just can't. So it's reach the community. It's, it's like make sure that we're proactive enough. And that means Doug, like meeting people, not in a creepy way, but just like paying attention to people and, and letting them know what I have. And I'm not always good at that because I'm not always so bubbly out forward like that. Like you aren't really, no, not out there. Like as a stranger, I'm like, uh. but But I have this great salvation and this great life and I need to figure out how to share that individually as a church, this and that, right? And, and do our best and make sure that we also take care of the community inside. And then he put on our heart to, to invest in this daycare. It's incredible daycare downstairs. Uh, we got into this because he told us to, and there were some really hard years, but we had some of the best facilities and the best teachers, but it's kind of like a little bit disconnected. Like we don't, more and more we're getting to spend more time with the teachers and, and because they're, they're incredible, but it's just, you know, I'm not saying it's a job to them because I think for a lot of them it's ministry, but, but it just, it goes Monday to Friday when you're all working, people don't see each other. And then there's all these families, just like 52, 53 families, and are we doing really enough ministry? And everybody felt like, man, we need to be doing whatever we can and pouring ourselves in for those things. And then, and then the discipleship, you know, it's just been cool. Got all kinds of new opportunity there too. You know, we've got thousands of people asking us to, to be made disciples and and, and the number now went from like 10,000 to like 20,000 potential disciples in the next year of people who actually get a chance to really figure God out. Like, and I'm just mind boggled. People are translating books in other languages. And it's just that you're just like, what? So the cool thing is, is as in each of these areas, we said and joined God and accepted his invitation. You've seen what's happened, right? A, we didn't say anything to the teachers. I don't think they did. I'm looking at some of them because they're my friends, but I don't think that they said anything to them. But have you noticed that more and more of the teachers, the staff, are coming and hanging out? And it's just, what a great opportunity. Like, it's so cool. But at the same time, he's bringing new families into the daycare. And I already told you what he's doing with the discipleship stuff. We have people, our churches, discipling who are all over the world because they can't find people to disciple them. It's, it's it, the whole thing's mind-boggling. And, of course, you can see what's happening in the community. Us sharing what God gave us, which I think we've always done, but maybe be more intentional about it, clear in our message, whatever, is bringing people new life. With all that opportunity comes work. With all that opportunity comes God saying, get in the field, do this. Get in the field, do that. And, and more than anything, for me personally, I want to make sure I'm a yes, yes guy. I want to be the third son the one that's not been born yet. The father says, go. He says, yes, and he goes. But I know this in my life. In order to do that, I constantly have to sacrifice my time, my talents, and my treasures. I have to take them. And when I say sacrifice, if you hear cost, erase that. There is no cost to serving God. If you catch yourself at home going, I gotta go to church again, you need to check your salvation. Don't get, don't get me wrong, I'm not being mean, but what I'm telling you is this. This is a privilege. And, and, and none of us are immune. I was whining early this week. I really want to go up early on Sunday. Could be with all the other leaders as we get ready to do this thing because that's always fun. I got to teach. I can't find but teach. I was sitting on my porch and God, you ever, God ever just talked to you? Like he reached down to heaven and went, shh, and said, I can take away the privilege of you sharing and teaching like that, son. Just a little readjustment. 
This is not a cost to us. Your greatest challenge, the closer you get to God, is going to be figure out what you get rid of in your life. And it's not going to be because you, you know, because he's making you. It's because you're going to want to get rid of it. Because how do you stop doing good? This is not a pitch for you to get involved. This is just me saying to you this. There are needs that are cropping up. We need more people to host people in the community who are coming to know Christ or coming through the front doors, right? To clean the place up, make sure the coffee's on. But more than that, hey, you want to sit with me? (laughs) You know, people need friends. They need a way to get connected. We need people on that front end who help. (laughs) Jesse's right in your head. Jesse and Dwayne, like, they love it here. But they're like, I have no idea how to get involved. (laughs) You guys do not have a clear mess. So we've been working on it because we got to be more proactive. But that takes more little manpower, right? Tim was like saying this week, it's more manpower. The daycare connection, more prayer, more us being present with them. And discipleship, we're trying to get 100 Waldos. That's 100 people who address this Waldo and go to this conference with me because we want to make an impression and lead people to Christ and to making disciples. So the challenge for me when I'm looking at this parable is the kingdom of heaven isn't what happens when I die. The kingdom of heaven is what's happening right now. And, and the Lord is calling to each and every one of us, because we're part of this community and he's given us a task. And I don't, I just wanna be yes, yes. Y'all wanna be yes, yes? So this week I just wanted to ask you to just stand back and think about these three circles and ask yourself, where should I be in the field? Field one, two, or three? Field one and two, field one, two, three, field two, three? Feel three, two, one. I can do this all day long. Where, 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 God, will you allow me and give me the privilege of investing? And as you're going through that, if you want to know and get involved in doing something that really matters, man, please reach out to me or Jamie or Tim, anybody on the stage. They can all help you. I want to have a yes, yes year. I don't want to miss the kingdom of God that's right in front of me. Do you realize the kingdom of God's outside those doors? He is out there trying to get people to know him. We are the hands and feet that do that. Does that make sense? Us becoming friends is where we get to help each other and we get to help others. We're stronger together than we are apart. We're useful together. There are people out there just like us who are just as messed up as us. By the way, if you're new, we are the Church of Misfit Toys. If you're broken, you're in the right place. And they deserve a great life. So I asked the band to come up. I want to sing a song as we leave. And, and I want to sing the song because I, not just because I love it, but because the words are crystal clear. Until the day I go home, I want my calendar and my checkbook and everything else to be his. That doesn't mean giving money. What I'm saying is I don't want to be the person who can't serve him because I can't get out of my way. I don't want to become a yes-no person. And I definitely don't want to be a no-yes person. I want to be a yes-yes person. I hope you do too. Want to sing? Woo! All right. All right, this week, this week, let's go out and serve him. Let's be wholly devoted to him, regardless of the field he calls you to work in. Make sure that we go out 
as a yes, yes people. And if you're a could be, would be, and you need any help, you can fill out a connection card and you can find any one of us because we want you to join the community. We want you to join the kingdom of God. We want you to enjoy all of those blessings. Everybody ready for a yes, yes week? Yes. All right, off we go.